Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's always a good time when you're listening to the Educated Hustle podcast. This is your host, Paul Latimer Jr. And my co-host here, Emilio Porter. Emilio, what's going on, man? Man, it's going good, man. Just another day. Another day, man. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. And it's always good to put out a new episode this week. And uh, I think we want to lift the uh, the curtain behind the scenes of the show and kind of explain what's going on with Educated Hustle. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a grind every week. Every week is a grind. To a lot of people, you know, we're doing this great thing, but we're trying to really get exposed to more people outside of just our inner circle. And these past couple of weeks, our episodes have been, you know, they've been doing steadily. There's been a little drop off, but, you know, it's to be as expected. So it's really easy when you see that drop off to kind of get down and we have to start thinking, OK, maybe we're not doing a great show. Maybe we know we should do this or this better. And, you know, you get filled with a whole bunch of negativity and things like that. But then our last episode with the lovely Jasmine Thomas, we dropped that and it like set a firestorm on our downloads and plays. Like it it had in, you know, the first day, I think 20 plays. And we're talking for us normally, an episode will get 20, pay, 20 plays like after the weekend that it comes out but she in one day got 20 plays and i think now currently she's at like 65 which is insane for our record so you know it 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 really is a, a great win for us when we see that we're doing some great things and it's responding and people are actually liking it and it was definitely a much needed victory <laughs> yeah man i got a song for that we fought there, but we get up. Hey. Hey. <laughs> I wasn't going to bless the rest of the record, but, you know. <laughs> but I, I really do feel like, you know, we're making strides. Um, our show's getting more visible. And we got guests that are, are reaching out to us now. Um, so that's that's really a really big win mm-hmm. for us is that our brand is out there. People are recognizing it. And they're saying, "Hey, let's let's uh, let's link up with you guys and make sure that you know we get some uh, exposure with with Educated Hustle." Yep, Gmail is on fire. I mean, we tell people every week when we end it that to hit us up, we respond. People are hitting us up, and we're responding. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, man, not too late. Never too late to get on the show, man. We're we're accepting um, pretty much everybody and everyone that's uh, really passionate about what they're doing because. We we really want this to be a community of people that are are you know not afraid to share ideas and really going for something that they want in life. Uh, I really feel like surrounding yourself around like-minded people is the way that you can learn and ascend to the next level. Exactly, and that was one of the reasons why we started this whole adventure is we wanted a way to showcase people doing great things that would get them into the mind of people who aren't their inner circle or Facebook friends. It would get them to the masses. So that's one of our beliefs here at Educate Us is that we want to showcase the entrepreneurial spirit that you guys have and your hustle and let the whole world hear about it so that in turn, they come to you after they come to us. <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, our guests always leave some kind of contact information after each episode. So you know, please feel free to reach out to them because that's what it's here for. Is we're, we're trying to network. We're trying to get people to network and get out their comfort zone. 
Exactly, exactly. But I think I think that's enough the PSA about us. We want to really talk about our guest this week, who is also an entrepreneur and also has dealt with some downtimes, but just like us, has risen above it and never given up. And that's Mr. Jason. Paul, how about you let us know a little bit more about Jason? Yeah, man, Mr. Mr. Jason Will, uh, he's a, a, the CEO at Zipkick. And if you don't know what Zipkick is now, you're going to know what it is in, in, a, in a year, two, three. He's working on it every day. Um, it's something, you know, you guys have heard of the uh, Yelps, the Trip Advisors. So he really focuses his company on what they don't provide to the people, and that's expert reviews. So he's going to talk a little bit about, you know, what inspired him to found that company and where he sees that going in the future. Mm-hmm, exactly. And Jason really has a, a great, great, great platform and just a great mindset. And I think when you hear him talk, you're really going to understand like, yo, this guy's this guy, not to take his word, but he's a chief hustler. He's not just a, a, a passive CEO. He goes out and he makes stuff happen. So it's it's really a great interview and a, and a fine point where you can really just hear from someone who has experience in something and he's taken that experience and transitioned to a whole new field, a whole new niche. He saw a place for his idea and instead of you know waiting to act permission to have it happen he just went ahead and did it so really for our go-getters our people that want to change the world jason is right up there for you guys and he will be talking that language that you guys talk yeah and i, I really like the question that you asked him about you know the ceo work hours and uh if y'all want to be your own boss man be prepared to work because you mm-hmm. You, you'll see that Jason, uh, he doesn't, he, he's, he's on team no sleep. Mm-hmm. You'll be putting all that time in, all that time in. But you know what? I think it's enough about hearing from us. How about we turn over to the man, Jason himself? All right. And we're joined today by Mr. Jason Will, CEO at Zipkick. But he's also the chief hustler at Zipkick as well. Jason, how are you doing today? Doing very well, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. No problem, sir. We're just going to get right into it. And uh, tell us a little bit about Zipkick and what inspired you to bring it uh, to bring it to life. Sure. You know, it's just uh, after being a big foodie and, and love going out and discovering craft cocktails and, and beer and such. And my friends and I would always say, you know, why is it so hit or miss when we go look at review sites for where to go eat and drink and you know, the, the audience, I think just needs a little bit, something more transparent and authentic. And that's what we're bringing to the table. Sounds good. Um, and it says on your, on, you know, on your LinkedIn that you guys are like the Netflix of travel. Can you uh, explain what that is? Yeah. So what's interesting is, is that, you know, it's evolved kind of over the course of time. I think, you know, what we really say at the, at the main level of how we describe Zipkick is that, you know, we're trying to personalize and recommend the best places to eat and drink in the world. And by using top experts, so chefs, sommeliers, mixologists, travel and food bloggers, you can feel very confident that the recommendations are coming from a place of, of expertise. So we vet all these industry experts and they have full uh, control to recommend whatever places that uh, align to their personal brand. One thing I wanted to ask is you have all these, um, veteran experts in the field, how did you kind of bring them all together to actually collaborate with you in the Zipkick company? Yeah, so it's uh, it's actually, uh, most of these influencers know each other just from the years of, of crossing paths at different conferences and, and being on uh, collective trips together. 
So we actually landed a very well-known social media influencer about a year and a half ago. And he had built a lot of these relationships over the five years prior to us actually connecting for the company. So he was the catalyst to really bring in the early foundation of our community. And then from there on, the, the word just continued to spread. And, and even now today, I get about five to seven emails per day from people that want to become Zipkick influencers. So month one after launching, we had about 100 the first month. And now we're probably going to hit about 170 requests the second month. So um, people know about us through social media and, and just by word of mouth. Mm, That's really cool. There. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's always good to have people coming to you instead of trying to seek out people. I'll tell you those first few weeks after launching, when I was having to reach out to people, uh, it, it was definitely you know hitting the pavement pretty hard. But um, it's nice to see that people are resonating with the concept, and I think just that trust and transparency of what we're we're projecting into the world, a lot of people resonate with that. Well, I mean, as a chief hustler, <laughs> I think this question kind of goes under like guideline, but you know. You broke through now, but in this day and age, good content is really easy to be lost in the massive internet. So, like, what advice would you give to help people break through that mode to actually get their content noticed? And and I've spoke to a lot of people about this before, is that even if you talk to people like Gary Vaynerchuk, when they first started off, they were getting 20, 30, 40 views on their videos that they were doing. And you can't get frustrated by that. You have to stay the course and be confident that if you do what you set out to do, and you're getting more traction week over week or month over month, even though those numbers are small, you can't give up. You've got to keep staying the course and you've got to keep producing good content time and time again. So, you know, I think it's a lot of people are like, oh, I just need a video to go viral and and I'll catch my stride. And, you know, the reality of it is, is that uh, that's not how social media particularly works. I mean, nobody knows the science around virality. If they did, more people would. Yeah, I agree with that. I I feel like uh, for for us in our in our hustle, um, it's 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 easy to kind of get down after you know you 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 work so hard, you put out a good interview, and then you release it to the masses, and it's like whoa, you know, we didn't expect you know few people to listen, but um, you know, we recently had a couple successes a couple weeks in a row, so we're 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 excited to see where this thing is going. Yeah. And, and not only that, but, you know, word of mouth. Right. So there are going to be certain people that become you know, advocates for your show that when you have them on, they're going to spread the word to their people and they're going to probably end up bringing you more candidates potentially to interview. So you only need one or two breaks to actually really crack something open. So, you know, it's not about trying to convince 100 people to join your show. It's a couple of people that really could be the foundation to to open up to a new user base. So, you know, I think people just they can't get down on themselves too quickly. They've got to really stay positive and just trust that their content is good and it's working and and ask for, you know, feedback from your audience. Um, They'll be the first ones to tell you if you're doing a good job or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look at that. Jason out here with the golden hammer, just breaking the eggs. <laughs> you know everything. <laughs> Well, hey, he's been around the world. I'm sure he's seen some some nice places. Um, where's where's your favorite place to visit? You know, it was uh, it was a very funny and and odd story how it happened. But um, Cairo, Egypt, is actually my favorite place I've ever been. And it was back in 2008. I'd happened to take a trip to Israel, and um, I connected with a, a kid from Chicago on the trip, and we became friends and looked at each other and said, "Hey, how about we road trip to Egypt?" And uh, we rented a car in Tel Aviv, drove for five hours uh, to the border, slept in a hostel, uh, took a bus across the border, then a five-hour car to Cairo. And 
wow, it was the craziest time and didn't even know if we were going to make it there. But, um, you know, those are the stories that you never forget about. That is insane. That is insane. A road trip. Like what, what, what made you want to road trip to Cairo? Like why, why was that the destination? I don't know. There's something like, you know, you, you see the amazing race on TV and you're like, yeah, I could do that. And then you really don't think about what you're doing because this was in 2008 and I was like 20 years old or something and 21 or I can't even remember. But, um, but the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, <laughs> you try to just figure it out as you go. And I think, you know, that's how I've always been. And, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs or people who start things, they just put themselves in unknown situations and they trust their problem solving skills to get by. And, you know, I met some of the most amazing people in Cairo. They were so kind and they treated us so incredibly well. And, um, you know, I still think about staring at the Sphinx and the pyramids and like closing my eyes and opening them up. And I was thought it was just a dream. It was so surreal. Wow, that's the one experience right there. Yeah, I know where <laughs> yeah. I'm booking my next ticket. Mm. <laughs> Man, it's, it's unbelievable. And, um, you know, there's many places around the world that would really surprise you. You hear this all the time, you know, on TV or, or on the radio or whatever. They tell you, you know, these places are dangerous. But um, you just meet such incredible people uh, in the most unexpected places. Um, and I think that's just the beauty of travel. Mm-hmm. That is definitely true. So since you are the founder of Zipkick, I got to ask you, it's a loaded question, but I think the fans are definitely going to want to hear it. But what is the location that you've been to that has had the best food? And can you explain what that meal or course was? Oh, my gosh. I've had so many amazing meals. I can imagine. I know, I mean, but you got to give us one. Just give us one. Come on. <laughs> so so I'll actually take you to a place. It was a friend's house. OK, and I'll I'll tell you why that was the one experience. So we were actually an hour and a half outside of Lisbon, Portugal. And I'll never forget this because I was traveling with two other uh, influencers. Actually, the they go by husband in tow and with husband in tow online. And we happen to be visiting a friend of ours who owns a 13th century winery, and he also has 1,500 heads of cattle on that property, and they produce their own wine as well, called Torre do Frada. And what's interesting is, is that <laughs> the guy that we were with from Husband in Tow, he goes, you know what? The only thing I miss is a good hamburger. And the guy, our host, Diogo, he goes, you know what? I think I got something for you. He pulls out these four beef patties that were literally from the cattle on his property, which had to be days old at the most. And he cooked up these burgers with olive oil right over a stove. And it was a wood burning stove in the middle of his um, living room. And these burgers were different than anything I had ever tasted before. And it was just the moment. I think it was the just the atmosphere. It was the moment that, you know, we all had kind of this, um, you know, this missing of home, sort of the American burger. And this guy pulled it out. He cooked it for us on this open fire. And it was just it, it was incredibly memorable in that moment. And uh, wow, was the flavor just mind blowing. See? Who says hamburgers can't bring people together? <laughs> My stomach is growling, man. I, I, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, but that's cool, though. I mean, I, I can only imagine how much food you've tasted over the years and how many meals you've gotten. Um, but I kind of wanted to take it back to, to when you really got the idea of Zipkick and, and what really started that process of, hey, let's make this thing happen. 
So we had a we had a version of Zipkick prior to this, which was really around personalizing hotel search and booking. And towards the end of last year, the licensing costs to pull data from TripAdvisor and to pull it from our supplier that we were getting a lot of the hotel data from were continuing to increase. And the, in that moment, I asked myself and a lot of other friends who have travel companies, why are we continuing to pull data from places like TripAdvisor and Yelp and Foursquare and all these places? And they said, you know, we don't have a choice. We have nothing better than that to actually, you know, pull into our travel sites uh, to couple up with, you know, what we're selling. And in that moment, I realized that this community of influencers that we have already built out for Zipkick, the, the first version of what we did, we could translate that directly into creating these recommendations and be able to provide all these travel companies with much better information and ultimately the consumers with better information as well. And in that moment, I think that's when we all kind of realized that this was a very necessary thing to do. And and nobody has challenged the Yelps and Trip Advisors of the world in in decades. So, um, you know, with anything and with any industry, uh, you know, there's only so long that that the technologies can be in place before something comes along and and you know disrupts what the status quo is. That's true. And wow, it's kind of cool that you saw your niche and you were like, we're just going to go and attack it. We're not going to wait for permission. We're just going to go ahead and do what we feel the market needs. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I admire that that you're able to kind of break up your own idea and just go for it. Yeah, it was incredibly difficult because we already had investors from the previous company. And, you know, with these things, people are investing in you because they trust you to make the right decisions and be a good steward of their money. Right. And mm-hmm. there's nobody who wants to see this work more than I do. And, you know, when you see a bigger opportunity and there's less risk on the table for the company, you have to make these decisions and you have to be confident in your decisions based on all the information you have at your disposal at that time. So, you know, by by shifting, I'd already been in the business for three and a half years and I study this day in and day out that when you see an opening and it's so compelling, you've got to step on the gas and you've got to go. Um, you can't look at you know, this decision for six months and be like, all right, I don't know what we're going to do. You have a finite window and you, and you've got to close on that window while it's available. Oh my God. Look, just dusting off the gems right here. Just dusting them off. (laughs) (laughs) Got to step on the gas and go. I I like that. uh, I like that quote. I think, um, I think that, that, that holds a lot of people back is, is just people waiting around for the right opportunity. And I think, uh, in my opinion, that there is no such thing as a right opportunity. The right opportunity is the the time you just take to make a decision. Um, so I really appreciate that that quote that you gave to us. Absolutely, and and you know the interesting thing is is that people always hindsight twenty twenty and say, "Gosh, if I only did this." Well, the thing is is that in life you're handed all these opportunities, and and either you take the risk and you trust in yourself and the people around you, or you don't. Right. And you're never going to have all the information you need to make decisions in life, but you've got to make the best calculated decision at the time. And, you know, I think that's just life in general is that you've got to be willing to fail. You've got to be willing to, you know, stumble a little bit, but then trust yourself that you always get back up and keep going. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Exactly. Yeah, I definitely agree with that as well. Um, I also wanted to uh, take it back to you. You were talking about the investors and the people that you connect with that invest in your business. Can you explain to our listeners a little bit about that process of trying to get investors to uh, invest in what you have to offer, like in your company? 
Yeah. So, you know, at early stages of companies, it's all based on relationships because you actually don't have anything that's really that investable in terms of a track record, right? Yeah. Your track record is really your personality and the trust that you've built with these individuals, right? They're betting on you to figure it out as you go. They already know that the business is going to shift multiple times over. But again, they're trusting in you that you're doing the best you possibly can and you're a good steward with their money, right? So as the business continues to grow and there's more traction and there's more stability and you've de-risked, then it's a little bit easier to put a valuation and, and open up your pool of investors. But you know, I think you know, early on, people, they say, okay, I'm going to build a product and then I'm going to show it to all these investors. Well, no, that's not really how it works. How it works is, is that you get people involved early on and you say, hey, I just want to get your opinion on what we're doing. Okay, then you check in in a couple months. Hey, here's our progress since last time. Let me know what you think. And you keep these people very integrated in what you're doing and they can see you grow. They can see the amount of energy and the focus you're putting in. And that's when they start to feel that it's something they could potentially be a part of. A lot of people just try to cold throw something in front of somebody and say, hey, can I get a check? That's not how life works. Mm, yeah. Relationships and networking. Key. Keys. Definitely a key. A- absolutely. Absolutely. I can imagine. Um, I, I, so I guess I guess some of your first investors were probably someone you personally knew or um, just somebody you met kind of at a conference. Like where where did you kind of meet these people? So one of our early investors, I had known him for about 10 years before he invested in us. And, you know, in the context of we probably had dinner together 200 times. I mean, a family friend. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we played on the same softball team together and we went to the same, you know, uh, you know, places all the time and kept crossing paths over those 10 years. And so that was a very personal relationship with with that individual. The other folks, it was interesting. We were on a road trip. Uh, our brand ambassador and I, and we were hosted in Knoxville, Tennessee, um, by an owner of a small business community. And she took us in and introduced us to a bunch of people. And they were so, I, I think, just kind of caught up in in who we were and wanted to get to know more about the company and us and invited me to come back and and show them what we're doing with the business. And um, they ended up investing because, um, you know, we just, a lot of our values and life aligned. And, um, I, you know, I think when you're dealing with, with smaller markets, it's really about, do they trust you? It's not so much about the business per se. It's like, do your values in life align? And if they do, then they're placing their bet in the trust in you, um, to make it happen and, and to be transparent along the way. So, you know, I think more than anything, I've paid it forward for many, many, many years and very rarely ask people for help. Um, so in times of raising money, you've got to ask for a favor or two or an introduction and, and be willing to say, Hey, I actually need help for once. You know, you remember those five, six, seven years I helped you prior. This is the one time I'm calling in a favor. So I think it's just, you know, good people being consistent and, um, you know, strengthening the people around them is how you get it done. I agree. Iron sharpens iron. <laughs> Um, I want to get on. This is like a, a very uh, deep question for you. So I'm sure, you know, definitely to me and our listeners right now that we can tell you are about your business and you're very polished in your endeavors and what you've done. But out of these past 10 years, you've held numerous roles, whether you were just the employee or 
CEO of other companies. Could you kind of tell the listeners which role in these past 10 years that you've held has actually helped you grow the most and how? Yeah, you know, I think it was actually my first job I ever had. Um, there was a internship my junior into my senior year of college that turned into a four-year job uh, in total that I was there three years after school. And um, they had actually made me into one of the managers uh, about six months after I graduated. I was in charge of six people in the department and eventually ended up managing the whole department at one point in time um, and just kept on taking more and more responsibility. And, um, you know, I think when you're 21, I graduated when I was 21 by 22, was promoted into this this management position. And it kind of forced me to just grow up really fast because I had to fire two people in that job and to fire two people that are double your age. At the time, I knew I was doing the right thing. But the night before, I remember just having this sick feeling in my stomach that these people were going to have to go home and tell their spouse that they just got laid off by a 22 or 23 year old kid. And, you know, at that point in time, I think it just really changed my mentality of how you treat people and how you communicate with people. And ultimately, my number one rule is always do the right thing. Um, I will refuse to sell out for money in my entire life. It's just there's no amount of money in the world that would get me to compromise my values or my beliefs. And I think, you know, you just go through things in life and, um, you know, some places you're asked to do things that uh, you're not comfortable with. And you can't be fearful that uh, that there's going to be pushback from that. You need to communicate uh, exactly how you feel and you know, people are going to respect you at the end of the day if if you're not willing to compromise your values for for some situation that you've unfortunately been put in. So um, I just think in, in those moments, in that first job, having to fire people and having to, you know, have reviews and, and teach people how to grow in their roles, um, it makes you mature very fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, I work with like people that are twice my age and it's hard to it's hard to get their buy-in because they've, you know, done this the business so long. Uh, so they, it's hard to really try to get them to break old habits. But um, it's it's cool to see that once they trust you, or or once you know you you realize that you're established, um, how you can break those barriers down. Yeah, it's actually it's all about the approach, right? Whenever you're dealing with somebody who's been doing something repetitively for the last five, ten, fifteen years, it's really about understanding why they do those things. Right. And really put empowering them to say, these are the reasons why I do these things. And this is the benefit. And really, you open their mind up to thinking about exactly what they're doing. Right. And and kind of coaching them and guiding them and saying, all right, what if we did it this way? And I could save you about 50 percent of your time on that task. What would that mean for you? And always kind of put it back on them. Like, how would you feel if I did this or how would it feel if we did this? Right. Eliminating I and my and me really helps in situations and using things like we and our, um, it makes it more team oriented. Hope, hope y'all got your notebooks out. <laughs> <laughs> I agree though. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like a little, a little trick of the trade. Uh, cause it's like you guys are working together instead of you guys are enemies or you're, you're trying to come and be the boss and stuff. So I like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you guys take a look at companies like Zappos, I don't know if you're familiar with the company in downtown Las Vegas, but, um, you know, they actually got rid of all hierarchical um, structure in their organization. 
And they've gone to something now that's completely flat because it's not meant to be this kind of like, you're my superior, you report to me, you do what I tell you. It's really meant to be that everybody has an equal stake at the table. And, you know, it's definitely something that people should check out and and just familiarize themselves with that because, um, I think more organizations are realizing that hierarchy is actually not helping the cause. It's actually putting people in positions of vulnerability, having to answer to somebody all the time. Mm-hmm. I heard they get like thousands or hundreds of applications a day because of that, the company culture at Zappos. Like I heard they're doing some amazing things there. Absolutely. And, and our close personal friend is the one who heads up all company culture at Zappos. So mm-hmm. she's the one who's responsible for putting on all those amazing events on campus and really making the culture what it is. And they train companies all over the world that come through the Zappos training program. And, you know, that's really how we at Zipkick are modeling our company are after people like that and and the customer service you know you're going to get at places like Nordstrom's and American Express, right? These companies, the reason why they are where they are in the marketplace is because of how they treat the customer and how how the employees feel a part of that experience from end to end. You know, nobody has isolated roles. Even if you have a engineering job at Zappos during the holidays, you're forced to be on the phone for I think it's at least 10 hours to have that interaction with the customer, to really hear it from them on what's going on. So, you know, there's a lot of things that that companies should take away from uh, from those organizations because they're definitely on the right track. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and it's amazing that, you know, you're you're going to have the opportunity to uh, build your, your, I'm sure you're building your company, getting some employees, um, and it's going to be a great move. But uh, I want to see where do you think that Zipkit can go? I really don't think there's a limit to our potential. Uh, we have six people on the team right now, and I'd put six of us up against any other early stage team of six people. And and I say that from the most humble perspective, but the trust that we have in each other and the capabilities of everybody within the roles that they play, um, it's beyond an all-star team. And feel so blessed that these people trust in me to steer the company in a direction, but I'm really putting just as much trust back in them as, as teammates to say, you know, what can we do better? And and I think that's always the ass back to the team and the community is I'm available literally all hours of the day, as long as we can be doing something better. Or if you hear something that, you know, would, would make a big difference in how we do things, let me know. It's a continuous improvement and it's not about being right or wrong. It's about always making sure that you are striving to improve. And, um, you know, it's it's fascinating because there are some companies in San Francisco who had to fire their CEOs and stuff like that because of the company culture. That company culture was really created based on the early hires. And I think a lot of early stage companies forget that their early hires are actually the most critical to the entire organization in the future, because that's what sets the tone for all the people that come afterwards. So you know, by, by really getting this foundation and the six of us together, um, it's really a special team and, um, it's going to, it's going to help us have a competitive advantage over, you know, other early stage companies because people are going to gravitate towards these individuals. Okay. Yeah. That was a really thorough explanation. I want to definitely ask, I mean, I know you talked about how you would, you would put your team up against any other early stage um, company, but I, I kind of want to ask on the more of the, how do you keep yourself and your team motivated? Because I'm sure with any you know, beginning company, there's going to be down times and low times. So how do you kind of keep yourself 
fighting through and pushing. You know, I, <laughs> I've never been told this directly, but actually one of our recent hires um, was speaking to our designer and he asked him and I, I wasn't there for the conversation. So I'm, I'm kind of getting it, uh, you know, through the grapevine. But uh, Kevin, our designer, has been with me for two years now. And our developer asked him, well, why have you been around for two years, you know, and working on the previous thing and, and stayed along through the, the transition and everything. And, and Kevin had said to our, our developer that they trust in me to always find a way to make it through. And I think it's just that resilience and setting the tone um, is, is really the example. I mean, I also go through tough things as well, right? I mean, after you hear no a thousand times, you almost become desensitized to it. Um, but I believe in so much what we're doing and the people that are using the product are telling us such amazing things that you can't let the negativity or people that tell you no drag from all the positive. And, and really, you know, I think we all as a team, we put things into perspective very well, that there's way too much positive happening and has been happening um, for us to let any of the negativity mask that. that and that's good. Um, do you guys have some kind of like uh, success board or some kind of like whenever you hit a target, do you guys do something special? We we are really big on birthdays. Um, okay. You know, birthdays for us are are something it's small, but it's something that you know, gives us a chance to, you know, step back and say, we really need to celebrate this because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a moment in time that we get to share together that, you know, every year is a new year. And, um, you know, I, I think just life is so precious in general that you've got to take time out and, and celebrate people, especially the people that are on your team. I'm sure you guys got some crazy, uh, some crazy parties. You know what? It, 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 it's, it's pretty low key, but, um, you know, we're, we're, we really believe in, in, you know, constantly seeing each other, you know, go grab coffee, go grab lunch, get dinner. Um, we, we have a lot of, you know, interaction with each other just because I, I think your, your relationship with the people on your team, um, is what helps you get through some of those, those lower times and helps you rise in the times when you're really catching your stride. So, um, consistency is a big key there. See, ring the bell, ring the bell. It's just gems on gems right here. <laughs> I was just going to ask, I mean, this is kind of a, a different take than what we've been asking you, but obviously you've been, you've seen a lot of the world. And we, one thing I wanted to ask, just, you know, there's a lot of beauty in the world and there's also a lot of chaos in the world. But in your opinion, from just all the places in the world you've seen, what would be the one thing that you would change that would make the world better? So it's it's actually kind of ironic timing that you all um, asked me this question. Um, and so a a person reached out to us about a week ago and and was inquiring about being a Zipkick influencer. And I'd given this gal uh, some information about uh, the program and whatnot. And then the day prior to our call, she said, "Hey, I just don't think I'm I'm personally at a place where I can you know use up your time to." to take this call and, and consider this opportunity. And I said, that's perfectly fine, but I also want to let you know, irregardless of the opportunity, if there's something that I can possibly do to help, I would at least like to hear maybe for 10 or 15 minutes, you know, what's going on. And we ended up talking and unfortunately her mother was uh, murdered in Puerto Rico Whoa. a couple months ago. And, you know, the one thing I conveyed over the phone was, is that, Every single week, I try to touch one person in terms of kindness and and offer my help. 
once a week, it's a random person or somebody new that I can just say, Hey, I'm here to help you. I don't want anything in return. And that happened to be the individual that week. And, you know, we talked and I think it was about two and a half hours of a phone call that I was expecting to take 10 or 15 minutes to do. But, you know, it's, it's moments like that where I think, you know, what I conveyed to her was, is that if everybody in the world took the time once a week to impact one person in a positive way, you never know what it could mean on the other end. And, you know, I think for me, as busy as I am, I think, you know, just being able to connect with somebody random and, you know, hopefully change their, their personal situation or, or at least their outlook on the future, um, you know, is, is good karma. And, and I think it, uh, is something more people should do. Yeah, definitely. Wow. That's, wow. That's touching. Definitely. No, that was sure. Yeah. I'm surprised that she, uh, reached, reached out to you and, uh, explained that that whole situation happened. That's crazy. It wasn't until we got on the phone call. And I think, you know, as we started talking and just talking about life and, um, you know, she opened up about this and I think it was like really fascinating because I don't know, it's, it's in the weirdest times you cross paths with people in life that you're meant to take something away in that moment of need. And, you know, it's just, it's strange how the world, you know, works, but, um, you've got to listen to, to the environment around you when it's happening. I definitely want to ask, and it's going back to your more of the business side of things, but people always talk about wanting to be their own boss, wanting to be their own CEO. Could you tell us what your typical work schedule is like as a CEO and how much work does it actually take to launch a brand new idea? Uh, you're asking the most insane guy uh, his hours. <laughs> um, you know, I'll, I'll never claim to have, you know, the, you know, the, the highest IQ, but I will tell you that, you know, my work ethic is probably more than anybody else that I've ever come across in my life. Um, you know, for me, there isn't any downtime. You work based on what the business dictates you need to work. And, um, so I don't believe in set schedules. I, I often work, um, throughout the day, take a few hours off and, and like to work about 10 PM to 4 AM in the morning. Um, and the reason for that is, is that, you know, people aren't messaging me throughout the day and people typically are not scheduling calls with me or meetings at that time of the day as well. So, you know, I think it's, it's not abnormal for me to hit somewhere between 80 and hundred hours a week, uh, pretty consistently. Um, and I'm not saying the number of hours necessarily equate quality. Um, but for me, uh, I get a lot of stuff done and I've been going at this pace for four and a half years and just as happy as day one, uh, when we started on this venture and, um, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but people need to understand that being your own boss is a little bit harder than maybe what people think it's like. Um, you know, there's, there's realities of, of being, uh, in control that you've got to be in control of your emotions. You've got to be in control of a lot more than, um, I think just collecting a paycheck because you're actually the last one to get paid as a CEO. Yeah, that mm. makes a lot of sense. That words to think about. Yeah, because it's like, and, and I wanted to ask where where to sleep on that schedule, man. Ten to four a.m. is crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know what the thing is is that you just get in a groove, and um, you know, especially right now while we're we're raising money, um, we're actually we just kicked off um, less than two weeks ago um, our seed round funding. And, um, 
you know, I'm constantly around the clock taking a look at investor lists and tracking, you know, kind of what their portfolios are, what their strategy uh, looks like, and, um, you know, trying to figure out who are the best people to get aligned with our business. And, um, you know, earlier today, I spoke to uh, the former executive uh, that used to run uh, apps and gaming at Facebook. And, um, you know, it's like, you know, this guy could change your life, you know, overnight if, if he wanted to. I mean, these are the type of people that have been in the top. And, um, I know you just, you, you, you get such an adrenaline rush when you get to connect with people like that. And, um, you know, that's what keeps me going every single day. Wow. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. And it is crazy. Jason, I, we appreciate you for coming on the show and just blessing us with the treasure trove of knowledge you've given us but before um before we end things definitely have a, a two uh two-part question for you so the first part is going to be how can the people the listeners reach you i'm probably the easiest guy to reach i'm at jason b will on zipkick or excuse me at zipkick also um on twitter instagram you can catch us on facebook uh you can email us uh, community at zipkick.com we're probably the easiest people to get a hold of. Um, I think that's what our customers like about us the most is that we're very accessible. We typically turn around messages within 24 hours. Um, you know, we, we love this stuff and inherently our business is social and, um, you know, customer service to us is a 24 hour day job. It doesn't, uh, ever sleep. So, uh, it's, it's a big deal to connect and, and we'd love to hear from people. Yes, people, get at him, get at him, please, please, please. He's worth it. And then the last thing is, what are the parting words you want to leave our listeners? You know, it's it's interesting because, um, and I really want to go back to the the premise of you know being in the travel industry with Zipkick is that, you know, oftentimes people get discouraged, you know, when they go up against big powerhouses. Like in our case, we're going up against you know Yelp and TripAdvisor. But the thing is, is that we know what we're doing is the right thing and we know what we're doing is better for people than what exists today um, because of the authenticity and the transparency and, and the dedication that goes into what we do. So I would highly you know, suggest to people is that you don't look at the competitors as necessarily as like these big behemoths. You look at them as actually, you know, you can move a lot faster and you're way more nimble than they are because you don't, it doesn't require 20 signatures to get a new initiative uh, done or to pivot your business, you know, when you're in the early stage, like it does with these larger companies. So don't get discouraged. People are going to tell you no a lot. Be okay with that, but take that as constructive, you know, criticism and try to get better every day. And as long as you're building on a regular basis, then, um, you know, the future will be, uh, be pretty bright. Whew, boom goes the dynamite right there. Once again, Jason, we appreciate everything. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for having me. And, um, you know, just being able to tell my story and the company's story is is a blessing. And I thank you for that. Yeah, we got to catch up in Cairo sometime. Guys, it's, it's a magical place. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> great, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And there you have it, folks. Mr. Jason B. Will, Mr. Chief Hustler at Zipkick, making sure that y'all get the information you need on a daily basis. Emilio, what do you think, man? Man, I'm I'm always amazed at the guests that we have because I really just feel like our guests are like evolving with us. And you know, just if you were to think about when we first started, 
the people that we think well we well <laughs> the people that we thought we would be talking to i mean we i don't think we could have like pinpointed that we'd be talking to someone like jason and i mean i know we want to work there eventually but it just it's kind of cool to see it like actually happen and see the reality and like how this show is now reaching people to you know enable these opportunities because jason reached out to us on twitter that's what's so cool about it. Like, you know, such high renown, such a good work ethic. And he reached out to us because he recognized what we're doing. He said, hey, this will be the next best place to showcase my hustle. So I'm just blown away because it's like great interview, great guy. And he came to us. So, I mean, what, what more can you ask for? Uh, yeah, man, I agree. Uh, Jason, he just sounds like, you know, somebody who's hustling. I mean, you heard it. He works from 10 p.m. to 4 p.m. at night, just just grinding away. So it's awesome that he found us out, and we must be doing something right to get him on the show. Mm-hmm. 10, 10, 10, 10 p.m. to 4 a.m., bro. Oh, did, I, did bro. I mess that up? 4 p.m. I beat. <laughs> you know, time is of the essence. Or, or, I, I try to throw a bootleg cliche in there. <laughs> it's all good man but yo i mean i think we got to get to the um the most important part of the show Love how you <laughs> yes you can reach us so educate also can be reached through various social media outlets we could be followed on snapchat at educated hustle all one word educated hustle you can also get at us on instagram at educated hustle podcast once again that is educated hustle podcast on there we like to put photos and videos inspiration and little clicks to help keep y'all going throughout the week we are also on facebook as educated hustle that's two words educate hustle you'll recognize us by seeing our lovely beautiful logo that you all love and know we are also oh wait sorry gotta remember this one if you like our show and you think that we are amazing and that more people should be listening, please leave us a review and rate us. Let the world know how great we are so they can find out more about us. (laughs) And last but not least, if you want to get directly to us, to where you can tell us how you feel about this episode, and any other episode, you can email us at educatedhustlepodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's educatedhustlepodcast at gmail.com. And you know what? While I was doing all that, I remembered one more thing. We're also on Twitter, educated underscore hustle. (laughs) Can't forget Twitter, educated underscore hustle. Oh, man. But yes, please reach out to us interact with us we're here we're always listening and we're always responding nice man and i know uh we've been talking a lot but you know we gotta leave the people with something to make their week going full circle man what you got for the people oh man people 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 our our guest jason will was a full believer in it but you gotta work hard don't give up don't get distracted don't get down to yourself just keep on pushing through you're gonna start out small but you have to start out small in order to get big it's often there's an old book i forgot what it was called but it was like a little pebble is um falling down this cliff and along the way that little pebbles just gathering up stuff is circle 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 and eventually it turns to a giant boulder that's how life is you start out small then you end up being a force to reckon with so don't lose hope keep going keep pushing 
keep hustling. <laughs> and as always, you gotta stay educated and keep hustling. <laughs>